This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode on the Mindful Experiment. Before we get into this awesome interview, I wanted to talk about this amazing individual who is a personal friend. He is also a brother to me. Uh, I actually went to school with Dr. Neil Gardner in chiropractic school, and he has always been an amazing individual, an amazing soul to know. Um, before his career in chiropractic and going to school and all that, he was a former uh, Olympian for Jamaica, uh, the 400 meters, and he was in the 1996 Atl uh, Olympics in Atlanta. Neil has always been the type of individual who will always strive to be his best. And no matter what, he'll always put a beautiful smile on his face. He has a way of 
when he smiles, it radiates a room. And this individual is knowledgeable in so many different ways from his heart, from his passion, from his philosophy, and so many other aspects of life. Everything he does comes from the heart. And it all stems from there and consists from there and so much more. And I'm grateful to have known him for this long. I was grateful to be in class with him and to really have the honor to see him evolve as a human being, as a spiritual being, as a chiropractor, and so much more. I'm very blessed to have him in the profession. Um, he is a true chiropractor, in my opinion. And the things that we talk about in this interview um, are going to relate a little bit to health. There is some mindset stuff, but we get into the mindset of health, and then we go into different parameters or where we're at and what are things that need to change. So I don't want to take any more time away from this amazing interview. So I want to thank you for being on and I hope you enjoy this amazing interview and the time I shared with Dr. Neil Gardner. So started as a track and field athlete way back in 1988. So that's I don't know, were you alive back then, Vic? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I was, okay? <laughs> I was five years old, all right? <laughs> That's when I started track and field um, in high school. And um, in a year, I was able to make the national team. I started out as a high jumper, actually, which is kind of interesting because I'm so short. Many people (laughs) wouldn't expect that I would have been a high jumper. But yeah, I was a high jumper. I actually jumped seven feet in high school. Wow. Holy cow. Um, Then I went to college. I was recruited as a jumper jumper slash hurdler, um, University of Michigan. Um, back in 1993, and I went to the Olympics in 1996 for Jamaica in the 400 meter hurdles. And as, as soon as I finished graduating college, I came back to Jamaica to continue running professionally, and I started teaching in high school um, around that time as well. And I continued running until 2005 when I retired. And spent my last year just preparing to leave Jamaica to take up a scholarship to study chiropractic. Now, um, I don't know how much you know about Jamaica, but Jamaica is not a rich country. Well, you have people here who are wealthy, but um, the majority of Jamaicans are, you know, considerably poorer. So as a teacher, my salary was less than $5,000 a year. Oh, wow. Equivalent in, in U.S. dollars. So that's kind of what I was making. Uh, my wife was doing a little bit better. Probably she was making like seven or 8000 a year. <laughs> so Percentage-wise, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and the cost of living is, is, is pretty high here as well. It's not, it's not as though everything is cheaper here. Um, in fact, if you want to buy a car, you have to pay twice what an American would pay in America. Because of the importation and taxes, it basically doubles the price of anything coming in. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Anyhow, um, the World Olympian Association and the World, um, the International Sports Chiropractic Association started a new scholarship program in 2004 where they were offering scholarships to Olympians or former Olympians, um, to study chiropractic. What they wanted to do was to raise the profile of chiropractic in the sports area um, or arena. And um, that was a way that they thought would be a good starting point for that. So as it turned out, I was the first recipient of that scholarship. 
And um, in trying to decide which school to go to, Dr. Mancini contacted the association and told them that they, he really wanted to be in the program and wanted the, the first person to come to Parker. And so that's how I ended up at Parker. Um, mm. So I got a scholarship that covered my tuition, but we still had to find living expenses. So we still had to take out a student loan to cover that, which I'm still paying for now. And it's not as easy because of the earning potential here, but you know, we still are faithful to, to the, the things that got us to where we are because you know, we are firm believers in you know, what goes around comes around. And if, if the universe is, is, is giving, you have to give back. You, know, you can't just hold things to yourself and be dishonest or what have you. So yeah, I still pay my student loans even though they're in a U.S. bank. So I have to wire money every single month over to the U.S. <laughs> to pay my student loans. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's well worth it because I wouldn't have been here and I wouldn't have been able to help the persons I'm helping unless I had, you know, gotten those, those things to help me. And so it's, it's with gratitude that I do that. It's, it's not even a burden. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my journey into chiropractic. I didn't even know much about chiropractic at the time, but when I got the call about the scholarship, I started looking into it and realized that as I was reading it, everything that it was saying that was a requirement to study chiropractic, there were things that I had already done um, in my undergraduate. Um, so I had all the prerequisites. I, I didn't even know that chiropractic is where I was going to end up. But in my sophomore year, or at the end of my sophomore year in college, I changed majors from biology to biochemistry. And just that one switch, as it turned out, gave me enough of the, I don't remember which particular courses I ended up having to do. I think it was a couple of chemistry courses that I needed as prerequisites that I wouldn't have otherwise had had I not done that switch. And so everything in my life was just kind of lining up for me to be able to start chiropractic school and to um, do well. And as a matter of fact, just the fact that I was teaching for so long, it gave me the ability to keep my mind sharp, if you will. So I was always in books, always preparing for, for, for lesson plans and so on. So I was always in an academic mindset, even though I was, you know, not a student student. So when I went back to school, it wasn't hard to study. So it was, it was kind of one of those things that kind of worked out perfectly, I think. Uh, I remember when, my, when I was probably 10, 11, my mom would always ask me to give her a back rub or give her a massage for her shoulders or something. And whenever I did it, she, was all, she would always, you know, comment how, how my hands feel, you know, healing and what have you. And, you know, I always kind of had that. And I remember even as a young athlete on my track team, the other athletes would ask me to, you know, look at their injuries or, you know, touch them or something. So I was always using my hands to help people to get better. And now I was learning that you could actually use your hands to help people, not only to recover from a pain condition like a sprain or a strain, but to actually help people in their overall health without medications and without surgeries. And, you know, this, this was, I was like, really, is this possible? <laughs> and then as I went to school, I started learning. I was like, oh my God, this is so, this is, this is unbelievable. I can't believe that there's a profession that does this. And when I, when I was a young boy, I actually always wanted to be a doctor. Um, and when I went to, went to 
my undergraduate um, school when I went to University of Michigan. I actually went there as, as a pre-med student. And in my sophomore year, when I changed from biology to biochemistry, it's when I decided that I wasn't going to continue to pre-med. I decided that I didn't want to do what I was realizing was required um, as a medical doctor, you know, which is to medicate people or to do surgeries. I was, uh, there's just something in me that just did not feel comfortable with doing that as the only way to help someone. And so I ended up um, walking away from it and thought I would have to leave the whole idea of, of becoming a doctor behind me. And then when chiropractic came along and I started reading it, it connected the dot that was missing in my desire and what I was realizing was the avenue that was open at the time. It was not fulfilled in, in medicine, but it was perfectly matched in chiropractic. And so I, I went back into the school forum, um, you know, with jumping in at both feet. And it was, it's been not smooth sailing, but it's <laughs> been a, a wonderful ride ever since. Well, I know the profession's glad to have you in the, uh, as a chiropractor and being a part of it. You are a bright soul and a very intelligent man. Um, you were the valedictorian of our class, too, on top of it. And I could see <laughs> I, some of the story that you're sharing. I can actually see why, you know, the, 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 yeah. that, that, that massive interest, that excitement, that, that, that plays yeah. a huge part uh, in it. It does. It does. I mean... If you think about it, when I was in undergrad, I wasn't a great student. I was an okay student. I wasn't a great student because other things are more important. Yep. So hanging out with my friends was more important than studying. Um, you know, if I'm going to the study lounge to study with a bunch of friends, we'll end up talking three quarters of the night away and, and studying for a quarter of it, you know, because it wasn't what was the most important. But when I was, when I was in chiropractic school, the passion for, for chiropractic and what and the possibilities of what it could do, I couldn't. I I just found myself studying hours and hours on end. I mean, most of the courses that I did in, in especially my first um, couple of trimesters in school, I had never done before. Anatomy, I'd never done before. Um, what do you call it? histology or cell molecular biology, whatever the equivalent is, uh. I'd never done those before. So it was kind of just. Just the fascination of it and the excitement of it all. I just, I just, if it required me to study 18 hours in a day, I'd study 18 hours in a day on the weekend. <laughs> you know, I would just, I just couldn't put the books down, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it is, it is what it is. I think the most important thing to doing well in school is not even intelligence. It's just motivation. Yeah. And the person with the highest motivation is the person that's going to do the best. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, to, for you to find passion in microbiology, I give you... It's crazy, isn't it? Massive. I mean, I, I enjoyed it to a certain degree. Like the lab, I loved it. I was like, oh, cool. Look what's in my mouth. Look at in a week what happens. That's, <laughs> that's pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, but then going through all the other stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is... I want to be a chiropractor. Yeah. I don't want. I didn't choose. I didn't sign up for exactly. this. Exactly. I mean, it's crazy because every time there was one question I would always ask myself. One question I'd always ask myself before I gave up on a, on a, on a particular um, course of study or a particular chapter was if I had a patient walk into my office and the condition that they had 
relates to this topic right here that I'm studying right now. What am I going to say to them? Sorry, I didn't feel that it was important enough to study it. Yeah, you totally. know, and totally. that just kind of every single time, every time I wanted to walk away from the book, that just gnawing sensation or sense just came into my mind and I just could not, I just had to just say, okay, I have to do it. I had to do it. I love it. And did like, you know, being, you know, an Olympian and so forth, what, what was, is there some crossover, some things that you did back then that kind of played a role when you were in school? And then we'll obviously we'll dive into uh, now and being the chiropractor and everything. Um, was there stuff that traits or characteristics or some things that you, that you used back then to help you in the other processes? Well, I can tell you that um, one of the things that I learned about myself and it's, it's knowing when, when you're an athlete, you get to push your body physically to the limit. And there's nothing that is more um, readily applicable to learning about how you will experience or, or respond to anything in the future than comparing what your body does when it's at its limit. And so I'd, I'd be in situations where I'd be in training or I'd be in a competition and I feel like my body has nothing more, nothing more. And I'm convinced that my body has nothing more. And then something happens, somebody comes up on your shoulder and, you, and it's somebody who you don't want to, to lose to. And then you find an extra kick that you didn't think was even there. And when you learn that these, this is how your body is, that your, your, your brain will shut down before your body actually fails. And it's more a determination and a will issue. That alone teaches you that there is a lot more than what you think is there. And so you don't give up as easily. You know, if you find that you, you, you have a big old test tomorrow or whatever. And you, you, I remember, I remember um, one of my neuro classes with um, Dr. Hall. And <laughs> I'll, be seeing him next, I'll be seeing him next month, by the way. I'll tell him you said hi. But I can tell you, I mean, that, I remembered um, my first test. And at the time I was doing, I was still doing pretty well in school and, and all my courses, but I had done a test and I bombed that test. I, I got like, I don't know, um, I got like 60 something percent or something on the first test. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get up back to a 90 average? <laughs> because this is, this is going to be crazy. And so, you know, I, I, rather than giving up, I went to Dr. Hall and I explained that, look, um, I need your help to do well in this course. You need to tell me what I need to focus on or how I need to be thinking or I can't do it, you know? And he, he just, you know, he says, you just have to dig in and work at it and so on. And I just took his advice and, you know, did well in the next two tests and then did well on the final and ended up with that, like a 90.3. <laughs> so I was, I was like, oh my God. So that was, but you know, the thing about it was um, being humble to knowing that, you need help. You know, you can't do everything by yourself. And even now that is probably the most important thing that I've learned um, is that you can't do it all by yourself. As an athlete, I needed a coach. You know, you have to trust your coaches. I know what it's like to not trust my coaches and see the outcomes of it. And what it is like to trust your coaches and see the outcomes and not trusting your coach is way worse. Even if you have a bad coach. 
<laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so true. It, no, it's so true, though. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, so. I, but I love it. And you, ha- and you can't, you know, again, you can't do anything alone. No one does. I always talk to people about how the most successful people in the world never did it alone. They can't. Uh, it's impossible. And so, yeah. And so this is what we take into our practices. Now, um, when I'm working with my patients, I, I try to let them know it's not just about me fixing you. You have your responsibility. I'm just, I'm just like your coach. I'm just here to assist. If you go out there and you eat crappy and you don't rest and you are stressed and all these things, you're not going to get well. And then you're going to want to blame me. <laughs> so, so it's a partnership. So I'll do my part. You have to do your part. So it's, it's kind of like that. And it's, it, it, it works very well. Those who, do, who take it seriously and, and do the work themselves, they will always do better than those yeah. who just rely on me. It's so true. And, and, and I think with, in society today, this is a good segue to you know, looking at the standard mer- medical system and how it's all about, I go to the doctor, the doctor fixes me, and that's it. I'm fixed and I have nothing to worry about. No self-responsibility, exactly. no nothing. To- and, and that is what's appealing to the majority of persons. But even that mindset is trained. That's a trained mindset because inherently it's against how we are. You have to train somebody to just be totally self-dependent on others. The instinct of of humanity is to be self-reliant, not to be self-dependent or other dependent rather. It's to be reliant on yourself. You know, but... The way our system has taught us is that we have to be dependent on somebody else. We have to dependent on the pharmaceutical industry to teach us or to tell us what we need to know about health. We don't try to research anything ourselves. You know, we have to be dependent on something external to ourselves in order to get well. It's not about taking responsibility for what we're doing to make ourselves sick. It is, I'll do what I want to do. You just do whatever is possible to get me better in spite of whatever I'm doing. That's not how it is. And I love that because, I mean, as you know, as just as much as I do with the chiropractic principles and the universal laws that they share and teach and, you know, everything's from inside out. It's, it's, it's amazing how you could take it from a spiritual standpoint. And, and if mm-hmm. you look at it and say, well, I'm here at this experience being a human being and go from the medical side of things and say, well, everything is outside of me. Nothing is within. So I just have to, you know, keep my eyes on the outside where, Practically speaking, is like no, your inner world determines your outer world, not your outer world. Yeah, inner world. Yeah, and exactly. And it and it comes along the same lines of what you're saying there. Right, exactly. It's from inside out. It's not from outside in. You know, and chiropractics. You know, the, one of the chiropractic uh, philosophies is top down, inside out. Yeah. You know, and, and do you think there's a movement of change? And, and the reason why I ask this is because I know from a spiritual side, people are starting to, you hear it from entrepreneurs, you're hearing it from uh-huh. celebrities now talking about how it's so important to focus on within, you know, um, yeah. music, tools of meditation, journaling, gratitude, those things to access within. Do you see that shift and, and, and so forth? I tell you what, I'll go even a step further. Um, What I see happening now is that people are becoming desperate. And I think people are finally waking up. You know, and and I don't think it will ever be at a place where it's too late. I think there will always be a select few. And 
as soon as we reach the tipping point, and there has to be a tipping point, um, and when we cross that tipping point, that's when we're going to see real change happening. And yes, we see people are shifting now into realizing that you have to meditate. You have to um, have, a, a, have an attitude of, of gratitude. You have to have a heart of compassion. You have to have uh, an internal, intrinsic. People are now the, the realizing that they have to have that internal um, mechanism grounded in order to navigate in this world. I mean, you, you have two ways of dealing with things. You can either be a sailboat or a, you know, a motorboat. And if you're a sailboat, and we're not talking about these, you know, a yacht now that can go in all kinds of nice fancy directions. <laughs> um, we're just talking about the passive sailboat. Yeah. Then wherever the wind blows, that's where you go. You know, we need to have more of a motorboat concept where we build into our internal compass. We build into our internal direction. We build into our own rudder system. We build into our own motivation system that propels us in whatever direction we need to, we need to go. And if we don't do that, then, you know, we'll just float along. And wherever the current of life takes us, that's where we'll end up being. And that's what has been happening now for the last however many years. And it's now that we see that people are at a place where cancer is through the roof. Um, illnesses are, are crazy. You know, the, the chronic lifestyle diseases are just ridiculous right now. Uh, people are starting to realize that they need to do something different. And if they don't take responsibility, they're going to be in trouble because I think it's now that they're seeing that following the advice of the physicians and for the pharmaceutical companies that, that, that are telling you, you know, yeah, all you need to do is just, you know, um, restrict your diet. And in terms of your <laughs> caloric intake, just cut down your calories and you'll be fine. Or a calorie is a calorie. You know, whatever you put into your mouth, it doesn't matter. As long as you're only taking a certain number of calories, then, then you're good. You know, we're realizing that all those things are lies. Yep. And people are, who have been following that and then eating all the crap that they're eating, thinking that, oh, well, at least I'm restricting it to a 2,000-calorie diet or a 2,500-calorie diet. I'm fine. But they're eating, you know, lots of simple processed carbs. They're eating lots of sugary stuff. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy. Oh, it's, 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 it's unreal. And, it, it, and, and we'll dive into that in a sec. I just wanted to jump back real quick yeah. on the, um, the psychology of what's changing because do you think with everyone now starting to focus on themselves? Cause you know, there's, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I always feel like there's just this agenda to keep chiropractic in the dark. And I mean, I could back it up with a lot of science. I know you can too. Yeah. Um, do you- but we have to though. You see, chiropractic is, is it, it goes against the mainstream. Anything, any philosophy, any group, any, any belief system that encourages persons to think for themselves and to ask questions and to, you know, to challenge the, the status quo in terms of, doing whatever you can do to make yourself and your family as healthy as possible will always be viewed as the enemy and therefore worthy of attack. And that's what we're seeing. Oh yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things is that as my, my hope, my hope, my hope is that as people start to now shift gears into focusing on themselves more, they'll uh-huh. eventually start to get to a point where they go, 
Well, if everything is within me and I'm meditating, I'm focusing on me, Mm -hmm. my inner world controls my outer world. What if, and I think this is going to be up to chiropractic and chiropractic only because it's going to be that thing where, well, wait a minute. What if my body can do that too? What if my body has the resources? What if my body, exactly, you know, exactly right. But that's a hope because it's like, Where's the game? What's the card that is the, 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 the other side, big pharma, you know, big corpse, whatever you want to call it. What is the card that they're going to play to try to dissuade that, to push that away? Because I think they know that card's being dealt. Uh, we're dealing that card. Yeah, the absolutely. Absolutely. And But that's the thing, though, you see, is that the closer they get to the end point is the closer we're going to get to our start point. <laughs> that's so true. So the more they're trying or they're going to try to squash chiropractic, bury chiropractic, and try to get people to live whatever, however, whenever, you know, and then end up dying is you're going to get to the place where that tipping point happens and people are going to say enough is enough. They're going to get to that point. I believe it firmly. And then they're going to be seeking after chiropractic as they did in the, during the 1918 flu pandemic. You know, yeah. that's what's going to start happening when, when chiropractors are going to be so busy, they, they won't know what to do with themselves. And, and for the listeners, if you don't know about chiropractic and 19, you said 1918 flu pandemic, correct? Yeah. 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 The Spanish flu. Go ahead. If you don't mind just sharing really quick what oh, was yeah. that and, and so forth. Well, it, in, in, in 1917, um, just about the time when World War I was going on and um, a lot of the soldiers were starting to come down with the illness. And this was toward the end of 1917, early 1918. Um, and 1918 is when it was in full, full swing. The soldiers were dying because of the flu. And I'll tell you something a little bit later on about that, um, which I didn't realize. But anyhow, the soldiers were dying because of the flu, which is very unusual because the soldiers were young, strong men. So why are the young, strong men dying when they're not usually the vulnerable group in a flu epidemic? It's usually the very young or the very old. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they came back home. And when they came back home, because the war ended, everybody started to get sick as well. And so you found that all over the world, I think it was 34 million people that died. Yeah. It was crazy. And so um, persons were trying to turn to whatever they could just to try to save their lives. And chiropractors, um, who at that point were not doing very well, by the way, started to go to the homes of their patients who were ill and treating them at home, adjusting them at home, because many of them could not come out to the office. And this funny thing started to happen the people who are being adjusted started to get better. And it's not just chiropractic. This is also, this, this history is shared with the osteopaths because they too, at that time, used to adjust the spine. And their patients, along with the chiropractic patients, were getting better at a much fast, faster rate than those who were doing mainstream medicine. In fact, the rate was, I think, um, 500 to 1 or 400 to 1. And even among the people who were given up to die by mainstream medicine, 
most of them were saved with chiropractic. Yep. And if chiropractors really understood that history, I think it would change how they practice now because chiropractors back then did not practice based on back pain or neck pain. You know, they practice based on health, how to get people well, whether it's a flu, whether it is an infection, whatever, chiropractors were adjusting their patients and they were getting better. Because what we found is that when the body is in proper alignment, then the nervous system works normally. And as the nervous system works normally, the immune system comes on and the immune system is extremely powerful. We think that the immune system is weak. The immune system is extremely, extremely powerful. It's the things that we do to it by how we eat and live that's destroying the health, of, that's destroying the ability of our immune system to work. Anyhow, coming out of the flu pandemic, um, we found that chiropractic offices now started to flourish because people started to go to chiropractors in droves and people started to go to chiropractic schools. Medical doctors were going to chiropractic schools to get their chiropractic um, licenses. It was so fascinating. And then, of course, because of that switch, where medical doctors started to go to chiropractic colleges and the students were moving more to chiropractic than to medicine, then the medical fraternity had to attack chiropractic, to discredit chiropractic. And this is what led to the whole um, commission, of, commission on quackery against chiropractic, the propaganda to try to destroy or discredit the profession of chiropractic. But here's what I didn't know before, Vic. Yeah. That the soldiers that were getting sick, they were good. This is when they started vaccinating the soldiers before they went into war because they were going overseas. Huh. <laughs> and, and then as a result of that, they started to come up with this very virulent strain of, of, of flu that was never present before. Interesting. And you ever wondered that. why this flu came about? How in the world did this flu come about? Well, why so then? Well, it's, it's just like, you know, not to change subject here, but it's, it's along the same lines. But uh, I don't know about in Jamaica, but I know in America we're seeing it where um, a form of polio. Now, it's not polio, but it's like polio. Uh-huh. Uh, it's becoming more prevalent. It's coming back. Which one? Guillain-Barre? No, it's um, acute myelitis something. Or transverse myelitis? I th- it might be that. Because they're, uh, they're, 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 yeah, they're, there's a new thing going on now, but that's, a, that's from the vaccines. Yeah, and it's because of the virus when they use the, the vaccine before with the virus, it's mutating now. You got a, yeah. lab, a lab virus mutating with wild virus, and now it's creating this new, new illness. illness that never existed before. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I've heard about the vaccine thing with the Spanish flu, but I can't remember. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's something to look into. Please research it. I will definitely. I just wanted to share some facts for the listeners. Uh, in Iowa, they had stats back then that they were tracking. Oh, yeah. In oh, Iowa, yeah. one out of 15 people would die if they went to a medical doctor because of the flu, uh, the Spanish flu specifically. Um, people who went to a chiropractor, it was one out of 789 people that died. 
That's right. It's crazy stuff there, you know, and, and, and it's like, okay, you got 93,000 cases in the medical, 5,000 in chiropractic. People will say, what's well, a small sample size? I look at them and go, uh, I'm sorry, one out of 789, uh, the chances of that getting close to the one out of 15 is not going to happen. <laughs> I just but not even that. that. I mean, just look at the raw numbers. <laughs> if you look at the raw number, um, I think it's like 1,000 plus to 5,000 plus patients in comparison. Um, if you just look at the numbers, I think you still have just numerical wise, number of people dying, more people dying in the medical system than in the, in the chiropractic system. Let's look at the numbers alone. Oh, it's massive. It's massively ridiculous. And I know you made a point. Go ahead. ahead. Yeah. As well as the people who were given up to die. Yeah. 233 people, right? There's cases that were considered not going to live. They're going to die. That's the end. And went to a chiropractor and only 25, just, you know, one out of nine people died from that. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, you know, again, coming back to uh, uh, trusting the body, understanding, you know, again, is what we know is that as long as the nervous system's coordinating, communicating efficiently, no subluxations, no miscommunications. I like to call it miscommunications, but... Uh, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, uh, and the body can do what it needs to do, and it's designed to yeah. do what it needs to do. And I know but you if know you think about it. If you think about it, if your brain doesn't know what your body is doing or your body is experiencing, how is your brain going to respond appropriately? Yeah. Whether it is um, something physically coming to hit you in your face, like a, a, somebody pitches a ball and, and, and it's going straight for your head and you're not picking up that it's coming for your head in time to move out of the way. It's the same thing as if a virus is coming at you and, and your body, it's invading your body and your body is not aware that the invasion is taking place to mount the appropriate response. So true. So true. And I hope people listeners, you guys are grasping that. Neil, why do you think that, you know, when it comes, I mean, we're, we're explaining stuff that's simple truths. It's been around for hundreds, of, you know, thousands of years. Yeah. What what's up with the mindset of health then? Why aren't people grasping? Um, I know there's a movement happening. I'm seeing it where people are looking holistic. Unfortunately, uh, chiropractic's the last on the totem pole when they're looking for um, um, a holistic avenue, something to be different. But um, right. what do you, what do you, the mindset of health? Why aren't we seeing it? Um, well, I blame you. chiropractors to some degree. Because too. too many chiropractors too. take the easy way out. It's easier to, 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 to sell back pain. <laughs> because yeah. the adjustment, I think, I use, I use relief from back pain or neck pain as a, as a side benefit of chiropractic. Yep. It's, not the, it's not the goal of chiropractic. It was never designed to be the goal of chiropractic. It wasn't to realign the spine so that the pain goes away. That was never the chiropractic message in the beginning. No. It was to realign the spine so the nervous system works properly, controls the body so the body can communicate, the brain can communicate adequately with all aspects of the body, and the body can respond to whatever strain or demand is placed on it. And that's what chiropractic is about. But chiropractors are, are afraid to or unwilling to just tell the truth. I think it's because of fear that they will lose patients. Yep. No, I couldn't agree you with know, you more. It, it, and, and that's it. I mean... I love having wellness patients. I love when I have patients who are coming in and there's nothing that they think is wrong with them, but they're just coming in to just stay adjusted and keep their bodies in tune. I love that. I'm like, why would you not want that? Why would you want to wait until you're in a disease state (laughs) to come back and see me? Wouldn't you prefer to not have any issues at all and then just see me occasionally just to keep yourself aligned? 
Yeah. You know, so I, I blame chiropractors um, to some degree. The other thing is um, the person with the most money can make the most noise. Yeah. And that's the pharmaceutical industry. They have a lot more marketing dollars than we do. And as such, and they spend that money in marketing, believe me. <laughs> they, and it's a very comprehensive approach. One, they educate the medical doctors. And I don't say this with any disrespect, but medical doctors are not doing or the recommendations they're making is based on what they are told by the drug reps who are basically salespersons. My best friend and best man at my wedding actually works for a drug company and he's a pharmaceutical rep. And he goes into the doctor's offices and explains to the doctors why it is that their patients should be on the drug that they're, that, that he's selling. Now, the doctors who they go to have no, they're too busy to go and do the research themselves. So they just take whatever the drug reps tell them. And where do the, do the drug reps get their information? From publications from within their company. Mm-hmm. At their sales meeting that says, this is what you need to tell the doctors. And this is what this drug can do. And, and, and because it's all in the same system, why would a medical doctor not believe it? Why would a medical doctor question that information, you know, because that's where they're getting their training. They go to medical school. Their entire training tells them that this is how you learn. This is how you prescribe. This is how you determine what drugs need to be, not need to be um, put on the market or to, to be given to your patients based on what the parent companies that put you to put you through school is telling you to do. Well, even like, even what about the universities that are paid for, you know, Big Pharma will pay for those studies. And but that's say, it though. And the study comes, right? Yeah, exactly right. Who has the money to do some of these studies? Yeah, it's only them. I mean, they may, they, they pay what? Two, they, last time I read $200 million to lobbyists just to push they past have, bills. Put it this way. When you look at um, Big Pharma and you look at energy, oil, gas um which other agriculture those are the three the the three big giants well it depends well well, what i was what i was going to say though is that the pharmaceutical industry outspends them considerably oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. considerably yeah it's 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 crazy it's sad because that's why it's it's like it's like legal bribery (laughs) and they get away with it well it's like and i only bring that up the university side because i have some people who you know sometimes they could be a patient or it's just someone i'm talking to and they're they they read research and they'll be like well what about the study that came from the university of i don't know let's say berkeley and or Uh stanford or harvard or whatever the big ones are and they'll be like Uh and that study showed that we need X, Y, and Z because of this. And if you don't have this drug or we don't do this thing, then this is, this is going to be the catastrophic, catastrophic event, uh, effect. And I'm always yeah. like, and I always tell people to the listeners, always see who's funding the research. No, but not only that, I'll, I'll go a step further. I'll go a step further. Um, and this is why I'm glad I did biochemistry. Um, something I didn't say before, and, and it's important to mention now, I used to work for a pharmaceutical industry when I was in college. 
Never knew that about I you. I did buddy. my I did a summer <laughs> mentorship program with a pharmaceutical company, and and then and they actually were willing to hire me after I graduated, but because I was coming back home, um, it didn't happen, right? But this the the, the vision that I worked in was cardiovascular research on mammalian cell lines. So we're using in vitro stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We were working with cells and seeing how the drugs will affect the cells. And then if based on the outcome of that, that series of studies, then it will go to animal trials. And based on that, then it will go to human trials, smaller scale than larger scale, right? Mm-hmm. So I worked with a pharmaceutical company. So I can tell you from inside the lab, <laughs> what goes on during research. And I can tell you this. I remember distinctly one day I was doing, you know, I, call it, I, got, I got my data and I was entering the values into the computer, into a program that they had. So I had to go to a special computer and enter all the data. Um, this is back in 1997, you know, so it's not like, um, <laughs> this is not like I had, I had, um, what is it? A you tablet? Know, internet wasn't as, as, as robust as it is now, you know, so we had to go and networking wasn't quite the same, but so we had to go to centralized places to do stuff. And so we went to this computer, we entered the data and then from the data, um, we would do what is called a line of best fit. So it's a linear regression graph that they will draw. You, put, you, you hit the enter button. The computer program will plot a line to represent all the data points. So when you look at the points scattered all over the computer screen, it doesn't look like there's any kind of a trend associated with it. But you hit a button and the computer will plot a straight line. And then that line is what you're going to use to determine if it's positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So I did this and I, you know, I put in the data and then I hit the enter button. It drew a line. The supervisor, the, 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 the head person there, um, I don't remember what his title was. He's, he was over my shoulder. He said to me, I don't like that line. Hit the enter button again. I hit the enter button again. It drew a different line. Same data. It drew a different line. Said, no, nah, I still don't like that one. Hit the enter button again. It drew a third line, different from the other two. And he says, yes, that one looks better. Save that one. Huh. And now when you now use that, that is a line that is used to determine if something is a positive trend or a negative trend. And what the gradient of the line tells you is how fast it's improving or by the rate at which it's improving or changing the outcomes of the study. So based on that, that's what now leads to your next step in the, in the whole process. So it's not even, this is something that can be manipulated at that level. That's what I was going to say. So it's not even science. It's not, it's it's not at all science. science. No, it's not at all science. It's not empirical. It's not something that's, that's, you know, it, 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 that has only one conclusion. You know, two plus two, you know, it's four. If I, if I say it in French or in Spanish or whatever, or if I go to a different region and I do the same additions, it's going to end up to be the same thing no matter what. It's, it's not the same with this. Even if I gave another lab the exact same data, their conclusions would be a little bit different. Because yeah. it's not scientific at all. Mm-hmm. So that's well, that one thing. That's on that one end. The next thing is this. Many people who tell you what studies say, because I remember when I was doing my research for the HPV vaccine, mm-hmm. and we were being told that this study proves 
that the vaccine is effective against whatever, 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 right? Yeah. That's what, so when I'm reading the studies, because I, as I know, I have to, you know, read the studies. So I read the studies and the conclusion would say one thing, but when you look through the methodology and look through the actual study itself, the way that the study is designed is designed to give you that outcome. <laughs> so uh. let's say for argument's sake, um, I want to... I want, I want to do a study that, that, that determines how many people like vanilla ice cream because I want to sell vanilla ice cream. So I want to do a marketing analysis, a market analysis to determine, you know, if the people in this area love vanilla ice cream. And so I say, okay, let's do this study. And then in the study, I say, hmm, anybody who has a food allergy to any coloring will be included in the study. <laughs> if you do not have an allergy to food coloring, you'll be excluded from the study. Yeah. I like then you say, hmm, in the, if, if that's how you're going to separate your people, then if you have an allergy to a food coloring, chances are you can only eat vanilla ice cream. So I would imagine that in that population of people, you'll have a higher percentage of persons who like vanilla ice cream. So when I do my study, I'll show you a large sample size. But because of how I stratify that sample, now the outcome that I want looks better. Yep. They did the same thing for autism. They did the same thing for autism. And they showed that, they did a study to show that thimerosal had no effect on autism outcomes after, after between the ages of four to nine years. So they did a study of people who did the, who did the um, vaccination as, as infants on time, and then they did a test on them between four and five, five years, four and nine years of age. And the, the conclusion was that the outcomes did not matter for those who were, um, who took the vaccine from those who did not take the vaccine. When I looked at the methodology of that study, Vic, this is, what it, this is one of the criteria for the study, for, the, for you to be a participant in the study. You have to be able to, the child and the mother, both need to be able to understand and communicate spoken English. Hmm. Which sounds like it makes sense because if your researchers are all English speaking, then it would make sense that they, you want to make sure that people speak English. Of course. But you, by doing that, you're also excluding anybody who is autistic. Yep. Because an autistic child is not going to be able to communicate with you. Exactly. And so the outcome, the conclusion that they draw is, it looks a particular way, but it looks that way because they've set the methodology to give the outcome that they want. And this is how easy it is to manipulate studies. And so you have to do more. And it, 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 it kind of saddens me and annoys me to some end because because of my background in biochemistry, um, I had to do research and I had to learn how to write research papers, present research papers, and analyze research papers. So this is kind of what I had to do. So I actually am trained to do this. The average person is not. So they're not going to naturally be looking for the methodology. They're going to just look at the abstract and look at the conclusion. Yep. 
and then they're going to trust that study. It's or, very easy to deceive persons, and this is exactly what happens. Well, it's even like, I mean, even another study I, I was reviewing was um, uh, Lipitor. Years ago, I did a big heart, heart health talk, and um, I was really getting uh, bringing the science, and I was trying to show people how the data can be so easily manipulated. And real long story short, I'll keep it simple, but it was, you know, but they said Lipitor, be like 67%, we, re, we, we, we prevent heart attacks with people who are on Lipitor. And I was like, 67%, that's a big number. I'm like, let me go look at what the methodology is. Let me look and see how they process this. Let me see what the outcomes were. Yeah. And I, I started laughing. I was just like, here, and, and it's sad because it's, you know, what they do just to, you know, to, to, to uh, distract the public. And it was basically the needs to know numbers, right? The, no, the needs to know numbers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah. And I was, yeah. I was looking at it and I was like, okay, here it is. How many people who did not do anything out of 100 people, how many people had a heart attack, which was two, um, which was uh, three out of 10, 100, three out of 100. And right. then, and then they put the people under Lipitor, and they reviewed the study for a certain period of time, and they found out that it was two out of a hundred had a heart attack, and so they said, "Well, two thirds of the people—that's what we were able to help prevent." So with sixty-seven percent, I'm going, "How the heck?" I'm like, "I can get a, <laughs> I can get like a tenth, a, a, a fifth grader to come in here and give me better numbers than that." <laughs> I was like, if I remember correctly, in you know, in fractions, you got to keep the denominator, you raise up, do all this stuff. I was just like, it was just it was, <laughs> so sixty-seven. But when you look at the study, it's actually one percent. But you know, yeah, hey, it is to his, you know. But again, just I, I'm sure you see to, to share what but you're even, saying. Even even with that, even with that, even with that, the the, the number one reason why most of these Lipitor studies had the methodologies had to change is because. They had to. They, they knew they had to do research, right, to, to validate their position. Yep. So they had to change the way that they they designed the study, so as to not end up with what ended up in the, what ended up happening in the beginning. Because in the beginning, when they were doing most of these studies on these statins, people were dying, and yep. so the studies had to stop because people, too many people were dying from the studies, and this is what ended up messing up the 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 statin drug. Um, the what do you call it? The trust that people had for it in the early days is because the studies were were resulting in the death of too many people. So they've changed how they've done it now and changed the reporting and changed the duration and the dosages to uh, to allow for certain things. Now you'll find that a long term study is now a six month study. Yeah, and nice. a six month study they're now using that six month study to determine what should happen to somebody over their lifetime because they're planning to put people on these drugs for the rest of their lives based on the outcome of a six month study to say it is safe for long-term use, but their long-term is six months. What the heck? Really? Yeah. Really? (laughs) So if somebody dies at the end of six months, let's say they die at seven months or at seven months, they start to show bad issues. It doesn't matter. They're cut off at six months. It does not matter. They're not reporting it. It doesn't have to be reported. It's the same thing for cancer. I was just about to say. It's about five-year survivability. As if five-year survivability is anything. Most persons, if you do nothing, will probably live past five years. Yep. I just read an article that talked about how uh, if you don't do nothing with cancer, the, the, the chances of living, I forget how long, but it was... It's considerably uh, higher than if you were to do chemo or radiation. That's like nine years or something on average, depending on what cancer obviously plays a different role in that. But sure. uh, definitely you live longer than you do mm-hmm. going through the treatments. 
Oh yeah. And they know this. But you see, it is it is big money. Do you know who gets the most money? For people who do not even the people who do the research, the people who raise the money. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these 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 cancer foundations and, and and this is big money. The they have the public fooled in so many ways. It's ridiculous, it's, and how it's ridiculous. It's sad. It's it's really sad because I mean, what is it? Eighty? What is it? Eighty-five, eighty to ninety percent of these big uh, uh, nonprofits for cancers, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, all these all, all these different ones. Eighty to ninety percent goes to the administration costs. Of course it is, it, but it, you see, as, and as long job. as as long as they record it appropriately, they can maintain the nonprofit status. But all nonprofit means is that when you pay all your workers or pay all the people associated with the with the company, and you give over the rest of the money to whatever charity or whatever you know entity that you are you're promising to to donate to, and your balance at the end of the day is zero meaning that the foundation itself has a zero profit, then it is a non-profit organization. Yep. But what they're not telling you is that the salaries for some of these people is so astronomical. So the more money that comes in is the bigger their salary will be because they have to end up with a zero balance still. Wow. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, like, um, Hold on here. I'm trying to see. I wanted to read one of the CEO's uh, salaries here as I'm looking it up here. Uh, $684,000 uh, Susan Komen makes a year mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for her, her cancer stuff and so forth. And she mm-hmm. says 20% of their donations go to cancer research and and, 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 and her salary is over. And don't get me wrong. You put something good together. You grow a big punk company with it. You make it nationally branded, all that stuff. I you get paid for what you're worth. Totally. I'm not, mm-hmm. I have nothing against that, but when you're, you're making profits and, 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 and the research you're doing only funds a machine that doesn't go for the cause, doesn't go to the solution. But they're not interested in a solution. Oh, of course not. I mean, there's because no, money if there were a solution, then her salary goes to zero. Exactly. Well, it's just like, what, like the American Cancer Society, they used mm-hmm. to have. I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to say something on here that I'm wrong with. American Cancer Society, their mission statement. They actually changed it years ago, um, because uh, let me see here real quick. Mission statement. It, it was one of the things where before it was like we're going to find the, the cure and the cause the cancer, and then they changed it to uh, let's see right here. To save, save lives, hold on, here it is. To save lives, celebrate lives, and lead a fight for the world without cancer. Okay, that's different. That was in 2017. It's different, so they changed it again, so never mind. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I, but that said nothing, though. To lead a fight for a world without cancer. They're not saying that they're going to get rid of cancer in any way. They just want to be in the fight yeah. for that goal. Fight a when they're fight. winning that fight or losing that fight, it's of no consequence based on what they just that statement. And there's no solution and, and, and no there's, solving. Yeah. There's no they're, they're not interested in solutions. Why would they want to solve it? Why would they want why would why would a, a, a nonprofit organization that raises money for cancer research, right? That's raising millions of dollars a year on cancer research want to get rid of cancer. 
totally it's like agree. saying you want to get rid of the jobs of the people who are working there. Yeah. They have to know and find something else. To do. Let's turn our attention to diabetes. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. They're, they, they, they don't want any solutions. And so they're not looking at the obvious place. The obvious place is how can we, why is it that the majority of people do not get cancers or have not been coming down with cancers and that it's only a minority of people getting cancers? Because it still is a minority getting cancers. It's not yet over 50%. Mm-hmm. And why is that so? They don't want to find out what's, what's, what's the thing that the good people have are not getting cancer that the people who are developing cancers are getting. They don't, want to, they don't want to know what that is. So rather than looking at a solution in that way, they're just looking at the cancer itself. It's the, it's the same thing that happens when you look at how I, I have this um, kind of an equation I call the health equation, right? You have um, your immunity minus your germs equal your health. So the more germs you have, the less healthy you're going to be. The more your immune system is working, the healthier you're going to be. So there are two ways to address the, the problem of increasing your health when you have the germ equation in that regard. One is you can try to minimize the number of germs or the amount of germs or improve the immunity. Either way, you end up with an improvement in the health outcomes. But there is a problem when you fight the germs, is that the germs are smarter than us in terms of their ability to replicate and mutate. Oh, of course. And so as we fight the germs, they become stronger and it becomes harder for us to fight them. But nobody's focusing on the other part of the left-hand side of the equation, which is, increasing or improving immunity. And if they only focus on improving immunity and leave the germs alone, we will not get sick because our immune system is far more powerful than any germ that we can get. Oh, of course. And, and it's so true too. And the only time if you ever do get sick, it's also a sign to let you know that you're too stressed out. You're taking yeah. too much. You're, There's it's something a, that's going on that's that's reducing your immune function, your immune expression, and, and it could also be a subluxation. Oh, massively. <laughs> which is I, which is I go I go there first before anything else. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we get adjusted and then we do everything else after. Exactly right. I mean, it's I I, I know you educate your patients on that. I do the same thing, and it's, it's yeah. It's, Get adjusted, then we can worry about it. We can do all the other things in the world, but let's do this first. Exactly right. Because if your brain can't see your body, then your body can't have the right response. I love wow. this. I love this. Powerful stuff here, my friend. Yeah, this is this is good stuff. This was well worth the wait for me. <laughs> uh, I hear you on that one. It was it's been a while. Um it's been a long time. So, you know, we, we got the mindset. We talked about the big pharma. We talked about the, you know, the marketing, the lobbying, the money. We got the people uh, funding these nonprofits, giving their money away to nonprofits, which are, you know, again, 80, 90 percent of that is not even is donated, mm-hmm. given to the administration costs, not even to research. Um, anything else that plays, you know, you talked about chiropractors, which I totally agree with you. I know in my where I practice around my area, chiropractors care plans are like this. 
You don't feel good? Oh, you got some pain? Okay, let me adjust you. Once the pain's gone, call me or just come back when the pain comes back and I'll be able to yeah. help you. Which yeah. makes me... Or they go to a chiropractor and they don't adjust for the first three visits or four visits because they just want to do PT stuff. Which, don't get me wrong, nothing which against is, that. Nothing against that. Uh, but which is, so, which is so true. In fact, I'm, I'm learning now, which is, which is surprising to me, um, that there is actually this... this business model, a chiropractic business model, that's almost exclusively PT. There's, there's little or no chiropractic work. And this is actually a company, a, a chiropractic um, management group that does this. And it's crazy. And, and apparently they're big on the, on, the, on the chiropractic campuses now. I don't know how much money they're giving to the schools to be able to do this, but I know I've, 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 I had a, an intern that was working with me um, last, earlier this year, who is now doing that. And another intern who was just with me who wants to do that. And I, I was like, look, man, um, it would be a waste of your talent to not be able to adjust people. Yeah. It's, and I mean, I know, and we have our own attacks going on. I mean, there's schools now, you can't say subluxation there. They don't teach subluxation. There's, there's a movement of people trying to prove that subluxation doesn't exist, which it just, I don't want to get on that soapbox, but it drives me crazy yeah. not to understand. Yeah. I mean, my background's in quantum physics and vibrational, you know, tonal healing and tonal adjusting right. and, and, and all that. And it's like, if, if the way I see the energy, energy medicine, that's my other background. And it's like, uh-huh. subluxation is like the perfect thing to explain what that happens. Everything. Exactly. To the nervous system, right? And to the body exactly. and to consciousness and to the evolution of man and humans and, and all that. And I can, I can explain it in so many different ways. And when they say it doesn't exist, it's never been proven. I got, I'm like, what lens are you looking through? Look, put it this way. If you stand in the middle of the highway and you see a big old Greyhound bus coming towards you, and you close your eyes and say it does not exist. It's not changed. <laughs> so I don't even beat myself up over people who are trying to. If they, if they don't want to use the word subluxation, that's their business. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll adjust whatever malady you have. <laughs> I don't care whether you have a subluxation or not. Let me just adjust that spine and, and, and they will still get better. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that I find interesting, though, is when a um, person say it's, it's all the placebo effect. I'm like, well, that's a very good effect. I mean, they should do a study on the placebo effect. That's a very, that's a very powerful effect. And, every, and if there's anything that we, 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 we have come across um, or we've come away with in terms of the understanding uh, of, of placebo effects from, from you know, the research that has been going on all, the, all over the years is that that effect is a powerful and real effect. Oh, yeah. So I don't even, if people say, it's a, it's a, you know, getting well is a placebo effect of chiropractic, I'm like, look, whether it's a placebo effect or the adjustment, as long as you're getting better, I'm happy. You know, there's a... Uh, Exactly. Same here. Um, there was a study done and I'm upset because I can't remember what uh, I was just reading it a little over a month ago. And they were talking about there was there was three things they did. One was a fake adjustment, uh, looking for some outcome. I don't know if it was neck pain or back pain. Uh, I, I don't remember what it was offhand. But one was I a fake. It a headache. Or- it might, I think it was a headache. You know, it might have been a headache. You're not thinking. But it was one that was like. I remember something like that. 
Because there was like medication was one, fake adjustment was number two, and yeah, then the sham adjustment. Yeah, and then there was the sham adjustment, and then there was the real adjustment done. Uh-huh. And it was the placebo played effect on the sham, which was like it was up like the seventy percent or something like that, seventy seventy four. Uh-huh. And but right. the, the, but then obviously the real adjustment was a hundred percent satisfaction on there. But go ahead. What's interesting is that how do you delineate what happens in the adjustment? How do you know that the majority thing that happens with the adjustment is not just simply the touch? Yeah. Because to touch your patients, something happens when, when you touch your patients. Massively. Oh, even if it's just energy. When you allow your energy field to interact with theirs, something happens. So it's not even just the mechanics of the adjustment alone that's important. And that's why chiropractic can't do a double-blind clinical trial on chiropractic. It will never work. And every time somebody says to me, are there any studies that show that chiropractic works? I was like, I don't care about studies for chiropractic. It won't work. It can't work because chiropractic cannot be reduced to a single component. You that's can true. never reduce chiropractic to a single component. Whereas you can reduce um, <clears throat> a drug to just one chemical active ingredient. Yeah. You can't do that with chiropractic. You can't say... It is a line of drive that's important and separate that from touching the person, <laughs> separating that from communicating with their patients and separate that from interacting with their patients and separating that from the, that from the environment in the office. Because these things all play a role. <laughs> it's, it all plays a role. And I love that's why you'll never find a good study that will ever validate chiropractic because chiropractic is, is multifactorial in its, its, in its influence and it cannot be limited to a single component. Well, I love how you bring this up because you know what you're when you when you reduce things down, that's Newtonian physics. Exactly, that's a reductionist value, and that yeah. doesn't work for chiropractic at all. Yeah. Chiropractic's quantum. Yeah, where, you know, one thing can affect a gazillion things, and next person, one thing affects twenty, and it's different. Uh-huh. Exactly right. I love that. Um, very powerful, my friend. Very, very powerful here. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing, and I'm going blank on it. We talked about the Cairo side. Oh, you know, Neil, we just got just got to get you out. And uh, 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 what 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 is it? Where is the solution in chiropractic? Do you think to taking its powers back? The going back to the way it was, the way well, chiropractic's designed to be. I'll tell you this: what happened in 1918? Is when that happens again is when we're going to get back. Because like I said before, the closer they get to their end game is the closer we're going to get to our start game. Um, it's going to, when, when, when the world goes bad enough is when chiropractic is going to shine. When it gets dark enough is when we're going to start to be, become the beacon of light. Because right now, I suppose we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. When people are not yet in a desperate state, they're not yet fully fed up with the current system. Because more and more people are fed up, but not enough yet. And if we just give them time, it's such a poor solution that the outcomes are guaranteed to fail. Yeah. It's guaranteed. There's, we, we, it's guaranteed. And so what you're finding now in 19, the late 1970s when they did the standard American diet thing and tried to limit fat to under 30% and people started to really get sick. Um, not recognizing that fat is one of the most important nutrients for building our bodies. 
Um, and the other thing is by reducing fat, you have to increase carbohydrates. You have to in- increase simple sugars because people won't eat the food anymore because fat is what makes food taste good. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have fat, you have to have something else to make the food taste good. And that's why you get the salt and the sugar. But, um, you know, that aside, I mean, it is important for us to just recognize that the, the things had to kind of just get really, really bad before we are able to, to shine. I think if we are fighting tooth and nail right now and making up too much noise right now, even on a large scale, if, if it's like try to go put ads in the public space and so on, we can't compete with them again with ads. We cannot. No. I don't think it's, 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 it's not possible. I think it'll just be a lot of money spent with very little outcomes. You'll, you'll probably help one or two people. But you have um, several chiropractors who are reaching out to the public in different ways. So you have YouTube going on. You have your podcasts. I have that radio program that I'm doing. And when chiropractors are now changing to now educators, because teacher, doctor means teacher. Yep. And if more chiropractors assume the responsibility of educating the public and just giving an ear to the concerns that people have and highlighting some of these things that are happening, then when they do happen, you will have more people who are going to be, you know, aware enough to have an idea of where to turn when things start to go really bad. So these are things that we need to do and we need to continue to do them and do them fervently, which is find ways to educate as many people as possible. Bring the message of chiropractic to as many persons as possible at the grassroots level. Don't be afraid to tell the truth about what's happening in the world. Um, maybe we can't tell the whole truth because there are some things that if I were to start sharing them here, um, some of your listeners will probably tune out because they'll think that is just a straight conspiracy theory and, <laughs> and all these things. Um, so we just keep it light for the, for the sake of those who are not illuminated enough to understand, but they just have to trust that there's a lot more behind the scenes and ominous things that are afoot that they have to just kind of, you know, get ready for because it's coming. And we have to just prepare ourselves because when it happens, People are going to need somewhere to turn. And I, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's, you know, and I, I, I stay away from the, the vaccine topic a lot. I mean, not that I stay away. I educate my patients if they want information. I act as a supporter because that's the only thing I can do. Yeah, don't but, make a fight on it. I mean, that, I mean <clears throat> no, I never will. You target on your back. Exactly. Five, six years ago, seven years when I first came out of chiropractic school, I didn't care. Now I'm like, it's no point. Support what they want. It's their health. It's their journey. It's their life. You do what you do. But research has shown that if we continually going down the path of vaccinations the way we have, where it takes five generations to truly um, alter our immune system to a certain degree to where it's not going to be like it used to be. And this is why we're seeing more of the adult conditions in children and why we're seeing such a huge epidemic when it comes to children's health. And at some point, whether you want to or not, you're going to have to deal with it because I'm telling you, it's hard to be honest about <laughs> some of the things that's happening unless you're going to talk about vaccinations as well. Oh, because of course. The, the, the one thing that's causing most of the issues that we see now, these changes in immune function, I mean, these autoimmune conditions, what in the world is causing our bodies to be fighting itself? What in the world could be causing so many people to, to 
be having these conditions where their body is not recognizing that it's not infected and it's attacking itself. What, what's going on there? And so what you find is if you are not willing to, to, <laughs> to look at the most obvious um, culprit, which is the one thing that is being injected into our bodies, who, that's per- the purpose of that thing is to alter the way our immune system sees infection. No, so true. And that's the thing I was uh, getting to is that um, the next generations is the next one that's coming up. That's the fifth yeah. generation of doing vaccines. They're going to be gone. Uh, they're going to be lost. The immune system is not going to, it's not going to, it's going to be, un, it's going to be unintelligent is what they're saying. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, and the replication of it, the only good thing is that they're also in the vaccines, they're also causing us to not be able to reproduce. So there's a, there's a whole sterilization thing that's happening as well, which, is, which I say is a good thing because you don't want to be reproducing some of these bad genetics that's happening now because these things are genetic modulators. <laughs> it changes the way our genes work. It's true. It does, you know, and it's, 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 it's one of the things that, you know, aren't talked about enough. And that's the, when you brought that up, it just really was shooting through me and I'm like, I got to share this. Um, you, know, you know, you know, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Sorry to do this to you, you know? Oh no. And I'm good with it. Like, <laughs> I, I go around. So I used to go a lot more. Now I've learned to, where do you go? Empower the moms. Where do you go? Educate the moms. Exactly. You share exactly. it with them. And, uh, and we, just plant nuggets, you know, plant seeds of information. You know, just, that's it. And just point people in directions because it's, the more information that's coming out, man, is the more sinister this thing is. And right now, I think it's 72 um, doses of vaccines that, you know, a child up to age 18 is now expected to have on the schedule. Crazy. I remember when we graduated, it was 50. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it was 13. Probably when you were yeah. a kid, it was like five. <laughs> maybe just a smallpox and that's it <laughs> i'm kidding it was it really was it was five though <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's hilarious <laughs> oh my brother it was a well, good time a well good brother time. i appreciate you and everything you do uh you know i have the highest respect for you and uh, oh as it, i do you my friend. It, it, it's been too long i gotta get my butt out to jamaica eventually sooner you do than later you do um, I'll call I mean, me first. Don't do like what. No, Kennedy. I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> I'll have everything set up for myself, or I'll find a way to get a hold of your wife and be like, "Hey, yeah, I'm coming. Crazy. Don't let them know." Yeah, well, Kelly has all her information. So, oh, well, there we go. I, and I talk. Apparently, she's into this. So, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I'm one of those types. So, Absolutely. but Neil, before we go, I know you have. You know, how do people can get a hold of you? I know you have a health uh, a health radio show sure. sharing stream. How do people get a hold of that and connect with it? Sure. Um, well, we have a website, um, gcnjamaica.com. Um, G as in Gardner, C, Charlie, and Nancy, gcnjamaica.com. But we, have, uh, we stream live on Facebook on every Tuesday night, 8 to 9 o'clock. And this will be, hmm, how do I say this in the U.S.? This will be non-Eastern Standard Time. No, no, non-daylight saving time. Um, we're currently on Eastern time, but when it switches over, when, when, when you have the spring forward, you guys will move ahead of us from the East Coast and then we will be with Central time. So oh, if it's in the spring to autumn, it will be, um, we'll be on Central time. And if it's um, 
or autumn, sorry, fall. <laughs> and if it's fall to the next spring, we'll be on, we'll be on um, Eastern time. So that's kind of how it works. We don't, day, we don't do daylight saving time. So whenever you guys change, we don't. Um, it's nice that And the, the name of the, our, our URL on, on Facebook is facebook.com forward slash back to health talk show. So, yeah. And I'm a, I'll check it out. I love learning from you, my friend. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're great. Like I said, I'm very proud to have you in the profession. Uh, I'm very proud to have you in the profession, my brother, and we shall continue to make changes in this world. We're going to definitely do so. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Neil. It was an honor and God pleasure and God bless you too. And uh, we'll make sure we don't uh, keep it this long, uh, long uh, time from again. not communicating again. Okay. Can't wait to be on this show again. This was fun. I will have you on again, my friend. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.